Bible says that we fight the battles of life, that we're not alone, that we have a sovereign God who's with us every single step of the way. Can we give another shout out of praise to our God? Man, we are blessed, aren't we? Well, welcome everyone. Great to see you. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And uh, today, uh, we are actually wrapping up a series called Ancient Stories. And we have been looking at these old stories from the Old Testament uh, about relationships. But today, I feel like we saved the best for last. Because today, we're going to be talking about singleness. Oh, yeah. And by looking at an ancient story of a man named Isaac. And so I am ready, pumped to dive into God's Word. I hope you are too. And so wherever you find yourself, let's open up God's Word to Genesis chapter 21 and also Genesis chapter 25. And you can follow along with me as I read, all right? Listen to what God's Word says. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son what? Isaac. Yeah, Isaac. And then listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 25. And Isaac was how old? Forty. Forty years old when he took Rebekah to be his wife. In other words, Isaac experienced a long season of singleness, 40 years worth, amen? That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And as many of you heard, listen, Ashley and I recently welcomed our newest addition, yeah, Mateo and... Uh, Man, by the grace of God, we have a healthy little baby boy and a healthy mom. And so thank you so much for really just all your love, your support, your encouragement, and just giving me a few weeks to be with my family. It's been a huge blessing for me and for Ashley. Uh, but not only has it been a big moment for Ashley and I, but also for Camila, because she went from being an only child to being a big, big sister. And folks, she had been waiting for this moment for a long, long time. And uh, in fact, we were able to capture the moment when we first got home with baby Mateo. And, uh, and we told her that she was home. In fact, take a look. Hold on, mommy, come here. You want to see Mateo? You want to meet Mateo? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Eat at the door. Your little baby brother, Mama. It's your baby brother. Can you say hi, baby brother? <laughs> you know, it's funny. She's like, oh, I gotta tell my grandma that she ran to get my, to go get my mom. It was a, a really special moment, but. You know, as Camila continues to grow, it's interesting that she cannot wait to get out of her current season into the next season of her life. 
In fact, when she sees Ashley wearing shoes, she doesn't want to wear her shoes anymore. Oh, yeah, she wants to wear mom's shoes, right? You know, when we get home from school and I'm bringing her inside, she doesn't want to go inside right away. No, she wants to get in the front seat and she wants to stay there driving for a couple minutes. And even when she sees Ashley, you know, looking after her nails, guess what she wants to do? Oh, yeah, she wants to get her nails painted. And folks, listen, if she's not able to experience the next season of her life, you know what happens to Camila? She gets frustrated. Oh, yeah, if we don't let her do those things, she gets frustrated and angry and and just she's throwing tantrums all over the place because there's something in her that is not just content in her current season, but she wants to experience the next season of her life. And, folks, she's showing tendencies that so many kids experience show as they're growing up. You know, if you're a parent here or you're a grandparent, you know what I'm talking about. Because when they're toddlers, guess what? They want to be in elementary school. When they're in middle school, guess what? They're acting like they're in high school. When they're in high school, guess what? They think they're 30 and they know it all, right? Yeah. Why? And so what happens is the thing is for, for many children, they get so frustrated in their current season that they don't end up enjoying fully the glory of that season in their life. And folks, let me just bring that whole concept over to our time together because what an image of how many singles go through their season of singleness. And by that I mean that just like children get frustrated in their current season because they want to go into the next season, listen, just like that. And here's the main idea as we dive into God's Word today. You know, many singles... They live frustrated lives because there's something in them that they're not content in their current season of singleness, and they want to get married. They want to go into the next season. And here's the thing. The longer that they are single, the more frustrated they become. And they either stay frustrated or here's what happens usually. They enter into an unhealthy relationship Because they rather risk an unhealthy relationship than stay alone a little while longer. And who knows, maybe right now you're watching and you're a single and you feel you're frustrated right now. Or maybe you're a parent of a single, a grandparent, maybe you know a co-worker or a friend, a neighbor who is experiencing this. And you probably wonder, well, Omar, how can I go through this season of singleness, not frustrated, but rather make sure that this is one of the most flourishing moments in my life. Well, we're going to find out from an ancient story of a man named Isaac, all right? So again, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 23. You can fire up your Christ Fellowship apps and follow along there with us. And today I have three thoughts for us on how to go through this season of singleness, all right? So write this down as point number one. The first thing you need to know is that God is at work during your season of singleness. Amen. You know, several weeks ago, we studied this story of Abraham and Sarah, uh, who was an, uh, an elderly couple who was unable to have children. And in Genesis chapter 16, we see that God visited Abraham and Sarah and told them that they will have a son 
and that that son will actually be the forerunner of the Savior of the world who we now know is Jesus Christ. And so God was faithful, and he visited Abraham and Sarah, and they had a son at an older age, Sarah being 90 years old and Abraham being 100 years old. And this elderly couple now starts raising this young, beautiful little baby boy. Now, we fast forward from Genesis 16 all the way to Genesis chapter 23. And now we find ourselves 40 years later, and we see that Sarah had just passed away, and we see Abraham mourning his bride. But he also realizes that he doesn't have a lot of time left. And so, and he looks at Isaac, his son, and he has a son who's 40 years old and still single. And so his concern is, I got to find my son a wife. And so listen to what happens in the narrative. It says this. Now, Abraham was old and well advanced in years. The Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servants, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, he said, put your hand under my thigh. Now, that may look like a little, a little weird, but that's the way they used to make promises to each other back in the day. They would hold each other's thigh. I hope that doesn't come back. But anyway, they held each other's thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth that you will not take my wife for, a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you will go to my country and to my kindred, to my family, and take a wife from my son Isaac. Now pause right there for just a moment. Because even though Isaac was not mentioned here in this passage, we see that his father knew his situation, and he was at work. And for many singles, a discouragement may set in to think, well, I know that God exists. I know God loves me. I know he's there. But he's not really super involved in my romantic life. He's almost like far away. Can I let you just do your own thing romantically, just kind of watch him from afar? But the truth of the matter is that nothing could be further from the truth. The Lord understands and the Lord is intricately involved in our lives. And so he's at work even when you don't realize it. And so while he's at work, listen, here's what you need to remember. Write this down as letter A and letter B. That God doesn't want you to wait for that perfect person. But God does want you to wait for the right Amen. person. Amen. You see, Abraham was not looking for the perfect wife. He was looking for the right person for his son. And he knew that the right person for his son was someone who knew and worshipped the one true God. Amen. You see, the truth of the matter is that he knew that the people in the land of Canaan were not God, the worshipers of the one true God. Rather, they were idol worshipers. And so he wanted to be sure, listen, that his servant did not take a wife for his son from the people of Canaan. Because Abraham knew that if Isaac would be matched up with someone from the land of Canaan where they were living, listen, that that woman would eventually draw his son's heart away from God, and he was not going to let him do that. 
And so what happened was he says, listen, I'm, I need you to promise me that no matter what happens, that you're going to go back to where I'm from, to the Ur of the Chaldeans, to my family, because I know that the woman there will worship the one true God. And so what we see is that Abraham's servant goes on this long journey, right, from the land of Canaan, which is modern-day Israel, all the way, listen, all the way to modern-day Iraq, to the Ur of the Chaldeans, to find, to, to find a wife for his son, for Isaac. Now, he couldn't cross right across. They had to go through the Fertile Crescent because they couldn't go through the Arabian Desert. So it was a long, long journey for this servant. And you can imagine, his servant is taking a ride with camels, with a, a company, and he's thinking, my goodness, how am I going to convince a young lady so far away to come with me, a strange man, to marry a guy she has never met. Huh, yeah, big task. And so as he's getting close, he almost makes like a little pact with God. And he says, listen, God, when I get to this well, to the water well, I'm going to know that you selected this woman because not only is she going to offer water to me, but she's also going to want to water my camels. So that's, uh, that's the thing that, 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 that's what the servant kind of asked the Lord. And so listen to what happens next. And before he had finished speaking, right, talking to God about this, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, family, you see, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. And the young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden who, whom no man had known. So she went to the spring and filled her jar and came up. And then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little, uh, a little, uh, a little water to drink from your jar. And she said, drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. And she, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran again to the well. She drew water, and she drew all for all his camels. And the man, I like this, the man gazed. Right? The man gazed at her in silence to see whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. And so, church family, if you continue reading this story, and I wish we could but for the sake of time, it is a long story. But I want to encourage you in your quiet time of the Lord, read it. It's a really great story. We see that the servant goes and talks to Rebecca's father. And I think one of the miracles that we don't talk about in the, from the book of Genesis is that this man actually allowed her daughter to go with a random stranger all the way to the land of called Canaan. But not only that, but that Rebecca wanted to go with him. But as God would have it, God moved in the whole situation, and she got all her friends, you know, her maidens together. They loaded up the camels, and off they went, and now they're starting to make their journey back all the way to the land of Canaan. But here's what I want to focus on. You know, Isaac's father wanted to be sure that he found the right person for Isaac. Listen, in the same way, if you're single here, and you have a desire to marry. You know, there's some singles who don't have a desire to marry, and that's perfectly fine. But if you are single and you have a desire to marry, there's nothing wrong with that. 
You know, sometimes I think in church circles, uh, we, you know, some people may say, well, if you were truly content in Christ, you wouldn't desire to marry. Can I tell you, listen, that's completely wrong because you can be content in Christ and have a healthy desire to marry. But folks, if you, uh, but however, you need to allow God to bring the right person to you. Not the perfect person, because every single married person here knows there's not such thing as a married person. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect person. He doesn't want you to wait for your soulmate. Listen, that whole concept of soulmate, that's not in Scripture. That's something that's been brought up by Hollywood and I don't know what to over-romanticize marriage. It's not such thing as a soulmate. That's not from Scripture. But rather, God wants you to wait for the right person. And so if you are single or if you are a parent of a single or if you're a grandparent or you know someone in your family, a neighbor, someone who's single, listen up carefully now to me, all right? Listen up. Because throughout history, God has given his people only one requirement to marry a person. And that one requirement is not that they're good looking. It's not that they are funny. It's not that they're witty. But rather the one thing God has required of his children is to be sure that they marry someone who is a true believer in God, in Jesus Christ. That is the one requirement that God has given his people. You know, unfortunately, one of the biggest mistakes, and listen, zero in on this. One of the biggest mistakes that a person makes in their life is that somewhere along the line in their singleness, they get a little desperate and they up entering a spiritually unhealthy relationship, and then they have to suffer the consequences later on. In fact, can we do some real talk? In fact, everyone say real talk. Everyone say real talk. Okay, let's have some real talk here. Because like I said, when a person is single and they get a little desperate, what happens is that they start dating someone, right, who maybe or not is a true believer. They're trying to figure it out. And so once they get into a relationship, they're getting perhaps getting close to marriage, and they come to me and say, hey, Pastor Omar, I found the one. Man, she is so beautiful. He's so handsome. We laugh. We click. We click so much. It's awesome. And they're all excited. And then I ask them the dreaded question. Oh, oh, awesome. So are they a true believer in Jesus Christ? Do they have a genuine relationship with the Lord? And that's when things are a little silent. They take a, a, deeper, a, a deeper swallow, you know. And then here's some of the responses I've heard. Oh, well, Pastor Omar, you know, he, he believes that there's a God. Oh, Pastor Omar, when she was a little girl, she used to go to church. She used to go to church when she was a little girl. Oh, I love this one. Oh, you know, Omar, no, not really, but they're open to the things of God. They're open. You know, everyone's open to the things of God once they're dating, right? Oh, I'm open to the things of God. And you know what happens? Here's what happens. 
They end up marrying that person. And then down the line, they either have major issues in their marriage or they end up getting divorced. And here's why. It's because the most important thing for the person who's a believer is not the most important thing for the other person. You know, for the believer in Christ, they love the Lord. They trust the Lord. They, they, the Lord determines their steps. The Lord is guiding them everywhere. How they handle their family, how they handle their money. Everything is based not on what they think, but what the Lord says. Amen. But then the other person doesn't think that way. They might like that same TV shows. They might have, you know, but you know what? They don't really believe in the Lord. The Lord doesn't determine their steps. It impacts how they raise their family, how they handle their money. All these different things and so what happens when you have a, the, the most fundamental thing of a person, when they are not aligned, guess what happens? Issues happen down the line. And sad to say, in so many times, the person who's not a believer ends up drawing the other person away from God and they become cold in their relationship with God. That's usually what happens. And folks, this is why God's word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, do not be unequally yoked, matched up, paired up together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple, the children of God are the temple of the living God. And so the visual, and I love this visual, the visual that, that God's word gives us here, it's an odd one, but it's, it's, it's a very colorful one, is that of yoked oxen, yoked oxen. You know, you may not know this, but in agriculture in many places, they'll grab two oxen, yoke them together, right, tie them together, and then the, both oxen, you know, they might not be perfect match, but they, 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 they both travel, you know, they, they push together and they help cultivate the land. And so the reason that two oxen work so well together is because even though they're not the exact same and perfect match, they have the same instincts. They have the same desires. They have the same affections. Why? Because they're the same animal. Fundamentally, they're the same animal. And the reason that here, they uses the imagery of an oxen is because it's actually referring to the Old Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, God had prohibited a farmer of, of yoking an oxen with another animal. You see, somewhere along the line, a farmer, when they have only one oxen, they might get a little desperate and say, you know, I got to match them up with something here. And so they'll match them up with a horse or with something else, a donkey, and that would, it would be disastrous. Why? It may start off fine, but sooner or later... They're different animals with different instincts, with different desires, and because of it, what happens? Everything goes crazy. Everything goes wrong. And church, that's the image here that God is painting for when you marry someone who is not a true believer in Christ. Listen, they have different affections. They have different desires. They have different instincts as people. And so what happens is that down the line, things might start off fine, but the, if you are a true believer in Christ, there's going to be some fundamental differences that you're going to run into that relationship. And so can I give you some personal advice? It's not from Scripture. This is my personal advice. 
My personal advice is, in your singleness, listen, do not even entertain a relationship with someone unless you know without a shadow of a doubt that they are a true believer in Christ. And here's why I say that. Why, the reason I say that is because listen, I've, I've been single. I know how it is. What happens is, listen, we're all emotional people. Everyone here, myself included, we're all emotional people. So what happens is, is that when you start meeting someone and talking to someone, maybe you go on some dates with them, you start talking to them, texting them, all this stuff. Inevitably, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be the godliest person in the world. When you hang out with someone for a long time, you're going to develop feelings for that person, emotional feelings for that person. And then what usually happens is by the time you start to figure out, oh, okay, they're not really a believer, they don't really love the Lord like I do, it's a little too late because your emotions are already involved. They're already intertwined, and you really cannot make the proper decisions. And so for so many people, listen, they just continue and they go and they get married, and then they struggle down the line. And so my encouragement to all, listen, during your season of singles, know that God is at work, right? Let's wait for the Lord to bring us the right person. And listen, while you are waiting on the Lord, write this down as big number two. Listen, the second thing is focus on God. Focus on God during the season of singleness. And here's the first way. Write this down as letter A. Meditate. Meditate on God's word. Now, going back to the ancient story of Isaac, we see that as, as Rebecca is making her way, little by little, all the way down to uh, the land of Canaan, Isaac doesn't really know what's going on or what's taking place. There was no cell phones or social media to know what's, ha- what's happening. And so he, we get a sneak peek, and I love this passage. It gets a sneak peek of what Isaac was doing. Listen to what it says in verse 61. It says, Then Rebecca and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went on his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahiroi and was dwelling in this area called Negev. And Isaac went out to what? Meditate. A little louder, family. What, he, what was he doing? Meditating. He was meditating, meditating on the Lord in the field towards the evening. Now, if you have your Bibles open or your apps, just, just mark the word, the, the word meditate for a moment. Because the word meditate there in the original Hebrew is a very colorful, colorful word. Uh, and it's a, it's, it's a Hebrew word, suak. And the word suak, is the, this is the only time that that is used in the Old Testament. And that word literally means to be absorbed in thought. That's right. to, to, to meditate, according to this word, is to be consumed in thought about something. And so what is this passage showing us? What is God's word teaching us here? That Isaac was 40 years old. He was single without any prospects. Yet what do we see? The reason that we do not see him freaking out, he freaking out, dating people, going to the Canaanites, trying to date these girls, is why? Because he was meditating on the things of God. He was absorbed in thought with the things of the Lord. In fact, it says there that Isaac was coming from a place called called Beer Lahiroi, 
which in the, in the Hebrew, it actually literally means the well of him who lives and sees me. You see, Isaac knew that his God was the living God, that his God saw his situation, that God knew exactly what was going on in his life. And because of that, he was at peace. He was at rest. He wasn't freaking out. He was at peace because he knew that God of the universe knew him and loved him. Amen? Amen. And because of it, listen, he was at peace and he was just meditating on the Lord. And so here's a question I want to pose for you today. What are you meditating on during this season of singleness? What are you absorbed in thought, consumed in thought? Is it the fact that you're so single that you need to meet somebody? Or are you consumed in thought about the things of God, the things of the Lord? You know, sometimes... People can, get, can meditate not on God, but on really the fact that they're single and they need to meet somebody, that sometimes they get what we used to call back in the day, the stink. Yeah, they had the stink. You know, nowadays, the, the, the new phrase that I just got informed, they're thirsty. Yeah, that's, that's a new phrase. But back in the day, we used to, man, they had the stink, the stink of desperation. Because they're just so consumed about meeting someone, having to meet someone, that they have the stank of desperation. And you know what's funny? Sometimes they're the last to know that they have the stank of desperation. You know, you know sometimes when, when I'm outside and I'm working in the yard, I like just to do stuff outside, I come back inside, I'm all sweaty and dirty. And I tell Ashley, hey, babe, let's, man, I, I've sweated all day and I don't smell. Smell my shirt. She's like, no, you smell. Just go take a shower, please, right? And you know what? Because sometimes when you smell, you're the last to know that you smell. Have you noticed that? You think you smell like roses, but you don't smell like roses. You smell. And everyone else knows it, and you're the last one to know. And you know what happens? For singles who are desperate like this, the same thing happens. Everyone sees it, that they had the stink of desperation, and they're the last to know. But here's what I want to tell you. You know how you can get rid of that stink? Meditate on God. Focus on, yeah, we can clap for that. Focus on the Lord and seek and, and be absorbed in thought. And then second, write this down as letter B. Listen, during this season of singleness, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married woman, the married man, is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So I say this to your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure, what's the next two words? Your undivided devotion to the Lord. So, folks, here's what God's word is showing us. Listen, when you are married, your interests are divided. Listen, listen, I'm your pastor here, and my interests are divided, right? Part of my heart is here. I want to serve you well. I want to do my best to lead you, to serve you, to see our church, you know, flourish and grow. 
But listen, I have another side of my life. I have two babies at home and a wife, right? And so my interests, right, are naturally divided. There's different things. But here's what's special. When you're single, listen, your main calling is to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. You know, God, in fact, God has called you to serve him with an undivided devotion. Folks, what a charge. Your undivided devotion. In fact, have you ever thought that singleness is not just a status on Facebook, but rather your singleness is a divinely ordained state in your life? It's not a status, a relationship status. It's actually a divinely ordained state that God has you in. And listen, there's nothing deficient about being single. You know, sometimes I think society has over-romanticized marriage and relationships. And sometimes we look at singles like they're deficient, like they're missing something. They're not complete. And can I remind you, the Apostle Paul... Who, had, who did so much for the kingdom of, for the gospel, he was a single man. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, he was a single man. Was Christ efficient? Uh-uh. Nuh-uh. And so listen, there's nothing deficient with being a single. It's just a state that the Lord has called you. But unfortunately, many Christians view their life that's like if they're deficient. And they, and, they, and they are out there trying to find somebody, grab somebody, Google somebody, DM somebody, right? And as a process, listen, they, 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 they miss out on the blessing and the glory of being single. Because God designed it so that with your time, you're able to serve the Lord with undivided devotion. And so listen. Married people need to be serving God. If you're married, there is no excuse for not to be serving God in one way, shape, or form. We have many ministries here. You can get involved and serve. But the truth of the matter is when you're married, especially when you have children, there's a limit to how much you can give because you've got things going on at home that you've got to take care of. But the beauty of being single is that you have all the time in the world to serve the Lord and accomplish his purpose. In fact, here's how I've seen the church work best, Okay. This is not something I grabbed from Scripture. It's just something that I've witnessed myself. You know, married people, right, or people who are a little farther along in life, who are a little financially more established, more well-off, you know, they are called to still serve the Lord, right? We're all called to serve the Lord. But really, one of the, the, the most significant ways that you can help the kingdom of Christ push forward is by your giving, by contributing, right? Because you're a little farther along financially, and you can be more generous, and you can contribute to the work of the Lord, but when you're single, oftentimes, especially when you're a young, a young adult single, right, you may not be as financially advanced as others, right, but you're still required to give, right? God, it's not equal amounts, it's equal sacrifice. We're all supposed to give back to God. But the most significant impact you can have in the kingdom during this season is by serving the Lord as much as you can. In fact, I've almost kind of seen it how sometimes the older folks, married people who are a little further advanced, are the ones who really help fund the mission of the gospel to push the gospel forward 
And those who are young who are single, they're almost like the muscle of the church. Why? Because they have all the time to do ministry and push the ministry forward. And it works well, right? It's a beautiful family we have here, and that's how it works. And so here's what I want to challenge you. If you are a single and you're not serving the Lord, you are wasting your singleness. If you're single here and your life is not described as undivided to the Lord and the way you serve the Lord is not reflective of that, listen, let me tell you something. You might think your life is wasting away because you don't have somebody, but you're actually wasting your life because you're not serving the Lord in this divinely appointed season in your life. Amen? Amen. And so I want to encourage you, if you're single, man, start serving. Get involved. There's so many ministers. It's a blessing to serve the Lord with your time. So not only should we meditate on the Lord and serve the Lord, but write this down at our sea. We also ought to be in community with other believers. You know, when you're single, it's easy for us to get caught up with the wrong crowd, especially when you're a young adult. I want to speak to some of our young adults here. Because some of the biggest mistakes you're going to make in life is during this season of singleness while you're a young adult and you hang out with the wrong people and you make mistakes that last a lifetime. And so I want to, I want to encourage you, listen, this is a time for you to meditate on God's word, serve the Lord, and surround yourself with the people of God. And you may be wondering, well, Omar, where does that take place? Where's a place where me, especially as a young adult, if you're here, where I could uh, meditate on God's word, serve the Lord, be in community? Well, I have great news for you. Because last year we relaunched a ministry here called CF Young Adults. And it has been amazing to see what the Lord has done in this season of life. And so I want to be sure that our church family fully understands what our young adult ministry is all about. So I'm going to call Pastor Gabriel Orellana, who oversees all of our young adult ministry, to come out here. And he's going to share with us a little bit more on, on what a CF Young Adults is all about. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, just like Pastor Omar said, uh, my name is Gabriel, and I get to serve as a young adult pastor here at a church at Christ. So can we make some noise for young adults? God has been doing incredible things, and we're just so grateful for all the lives and all the transformation that has happened in this season. And really, uh, before I started leading this ministry, this desire was burned in my heart when I was actually a campus pastor. Uh, there I felt like God was revealing to me that I needed to lead a small group with young adults, and we started very small. But over time, we started to grow and grow and grow in family. We didn't just grow numerically, but these young adults grew spiritually. We had people crossing from spiritual death to now spiritual life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And family, it was there that God confirmed in my heart that I needed to lead this ministry and give it everything that I had. And so Pastor Omar and I, the leadership, and now we got together and we realized that here at Christ Fellowship, we have an amazing kids ministry. Don't we not? Can we make some noise for kids ministry? Yeah. We have an incredible student ministry. Can we make some noise for that? We just had a rally. It was insane. But family, it is with great joy that we can now say that we finally have an incredible young adult ministry here at Christ House. Just make some noise for that. 
God has been doing incredible things. We've seen salvations. We've seen baptisms. We've, we've seen people that are not in the best relationship but finally be surrounded by the right people and be encouraged to pursue not the things of the world but the things of Jesus. And so, family, this is so amazing. We wanted to share what happens on a Tuesday night. Well, every Tuesday at 7.30 at one of our locations, we come together for a time of worship. Young adults, we love to worship, don't we not? We love to worship, right? Uh, for a time of worship, we hear a powerful, relevant message message for them. And then my favorite part is that right there, the same night, we come together and we break out for a time of small groups. And there we're applying the word of God to our lives. We're seeing how can we practically live out our faith tonight, today, on social media, tomorrow at work, whatever. And family, the party doesn't end there. We go out and we go eat. Sometimes we're 20, 30 deep in a restaurant. They hate us sometimes, but we tip good because we're generous people, right? But it's been amazing to see. But guys, it doesn't end there because after Tuesday, we come back ready to rock and roll on the weekend. Saturday and Sunday, we are serving Jesus and we are serving his people. Can we make some noise for that? Look at that. We are stacked. We're serving. We're in guest services. We're in production. We're in worship. We're all over the place. And listen, family, this is the truth. I know that this message is about singleness. But I wanted to ask our lead pastor a question today. Can I ask him a question? Is that all right? Pastor O. Where did you meet your spouse, Ashley? Young adults. Young adults. He said young adults. If I were to ask Pastor, Omar, uh, Pastor Carlos, where did you meet your wife, Shani? You know what he would say? Young adults. If I were to ask Pastor Gideon over there, CGDT, hey, where did you meet Abby? He would say young adults. If I were to ask Pastor Tucker, where did you meet Kalia? You know what he would say? Come on, PB. Young adults, my very own sister met her husband at young adults. Praise Jesus, all right? And so listen, we know that we're not here to find the perfect person, but we're waiting for the right person. So but what better way to wait for them than in the ministry of young adults, amen? Can we make some noise for that, family? So I want to leave you with this. What is our charge for us today? is this, one of the things that I love that our young adults say is that I'm in the middle of this critical season of my life but I finally have the right people in my life. And so we wanna encourage you, if you're a young adult, you're watching this, this is my personal invitation to you. Come hang out with us on a Tuesday night, 7.30. Listen, you might find Mr. Fine or Mrs. Wright over there. I'm just, that's all I'm gonna say, right? They might be there, but if they're not, it's all right. Why? Because you're doing life with the right people in your circle. So we wanna encourage you. Maybe you're not a young adult today, but you know of someone. Well, we wanna encourage you to make sure that you invite them, whether it's your neighbor, that person that lives above you, that's super rowdy, whatever it may be. Make sure that they come, invite them. And here's a perfect opportunity. We have something that we call zeal. We're one, yeah, anybody excited about zeal? Two times a year we come together, all of our campuses, one location, and we worship Jesus like never before. Matter of fact, take a quick look at this video. Yeah, 
Anybody excited for that? And so listen, this is what we're going to ask. This is happening November 9th. Mark your count. Nigel, can you say November 9th? Oh, did you guys hear that? November 9th at here at the Palmetto Bay campus at 7.30. It's a Tuesday. Man, God is going to show up, is he not? God wants to do amazing things in your life, so make sure that you invite. And by the way, at our campuses, you're going to see people with our young adult shirt. Please come find us. We have more information. We want to connect with you. So make sure that you invite a young adult because we want to see this generation change for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, give it up for Pastor Gabriel. He both reminded us that upcoming November, and Nigel, both of them, reminded us, right, that November 9th. So be sure to be there. But listen, I want to challenge you. Listen, maybe you're not a young adult, and maybe you're older and you're single. Maybe you got divorced and now you're in a season of singleness. Listen, everything applies to you. It's so important for you to be in community with other people, to study God's word, to serve the Lord. And so listen, we make it easy for you to serve here. Get involved. There's so many ministries available for you to get active serving the Lord. And I want to encourage you, join a small group. If you're not part of a small group, listen, surround yourself. And it's very easy. Go to our website or scan the QR behind me. They'll take you to a link. We'll follow up with you and we'll get you to an, a co-ed adult group, something that kind of fits you best and we'll help you surround you with the right people. Amen? Amen. But before we end, listen, let, let me, I want to pray for us, for our singles, because we all know that the enemy uses a single this, this season to really discourage some people. But listen, the Lord has a plan, amen? amen? And the Lord's at work. And so we want to pray that God will bless our singles of all ages and that they will be the powerful tool, really, to serve the Lord and to make this season the most flourishing season of their life. So can we pray for us as a church? Yeah? Yes. And then we'll Father, Lord, we are grateful. That, Father, you have a plan for us in every season of our life. And, Father, I want to pray for all of our singles. Father, I pray that today they feel encouraged, that they walk out thinking and realizing that you have a plan for their life. And while they wait, oh, Lord, Father, I pray that they would be used massively, Lord, for the sake of your gospel and your kingdom. So, Father, bless them and protect them, Lord, as they serve you, God. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say Amen.